0: Good morning, listeners, and welcome to this week's AgriPort. I'm Jim Finn. Later on in the program, I will be talking to Sean Ryan, who is the National Potato Chair with the IFA. And following on from that, I will be talking to Brendan Golden. And Brendan is the Livestock Chairperson with the IFA Listeners, my first guest this morning is going to be a very interesting man. He is Seamus Carney. And Seamus is the training person for the Signpost Programme. And some of you would have heard uh, something about the Signpost Programme on this programme uh, over the past number of years because uh, our own Tom O'Dewire here in Tipperary uh, is the man that was heading it up. And uh, we'll see how now that program is going. Good morning, Seamus.
1: Good morning, Jim, and thank you very much for, for, for the invite to speak in the program.
0: Oh, yeah, it's it's great to speak on the program. Before we get into uh, everything about the program itself, you know, will you tell my listeners about the training elements that you have uh, around this program? Yeah,
1: thank you, Jim. Look, I suppose the sidepost program, Jim, is very unusual that it's... Uh Chagas led a whole of industry approach to agriculture to help our uh, agricultural industry and our farmers in particular to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions by 25% by 2030. So uh, Chagas has lead the programme and we've over 60 partners involved, all the uh, the meat processors and the meat processors and a lot of people selling into the agricultural sector as well. So it's my role within the programme then, Jane, is to train our own advisors in Chagas uh, to be able to to uh, help farmers with the technology to reduce emissions but also the trained industry partners that were all uh, singing from the one hinge sheet, trying to get our clients on the climate change journey ger- uh, to a lower uh, carbon future.
0: And uh, Seamus, can you tell me what kind of training then do you give, we say, processors?
1: Yeah, so I, I suppose maybe the processor side of things, uh, we, we don't meet, uh, give them a training day, Jim, where we, we, we talk to the processors and look, as suppose the urgency about why it's important, maybe. To start the journey to try and uh, go, go towards a, a lower carbon future but we also been go through the technologies and a lot of these technologies but the good point is a lot of them are actually good to reduce greenhouse gas emissions but they also can improve the farmers' profit or what money they have in their pocket at the end of the year uh, and and really look when you go through the technologies the processors they're really much on board uh, as part of the journey to help farmers to um, a lower carbon future to reduce greenhouse gas emissions but also to help these farmers to and improve their profitability at the same time as well
0: okay so they're the processor side of the industry uh, uh, uh what other people are you training
1: yeah look i, I suppose we're we're, we're, we're we're trying to align our own organization to within childhood we're, we're all kind of working towards the same end goal as well that it's getting the information out to farmers to help them to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions and uh, so it's really the the the, the whole industry and agriculture where the the um, people involved in the animal side of the industry, the fertiliser side of the industry and also on the advisory part of the industry then as well.
0: Okay, and what about the Department of Agriculture? Where do they come in?
1: Yeah, a very good question, uh, Jim. The Department of Agriculture are a partner in the programme as well uh, and of course, what the Department of Agriculture are the lead organisation uh, with the, the Climate Action Plan for 2021 for, for agriculture and they will be setting down the kind of goals uh, to be achieved by farmers by twenty thirty. And it will be more important in the
0: problem as well. Okay. Now, of course, we set goals for farmers with uh, food harvest and all kinds of things like that. And uh, it would be my understanding that some of this has really been, uh, I suppose, uh, I won't say Jesserton's, but it definitely has been affected by issues that have come to play in particular over the past two and a half years.
1: Yeah, and, and look, I suppose that some of the goals really—it's it's about yeah. um, trying to 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 breed lower, missing uh, you know, gas emission animals in the future. It's about maybe tidying up some of the animals in the herd as well. It's about reducing our chemical nitrogen use, and it's the type of fertiliser we spread in the future. There are really a lot of the aims around the programme. And look, I suppose one thing I always say about farmers is look. When you set the road map for farmers, they're they're a fantastic group of people that they, when there's a common goal, they're they're a great group of people to achieve an actual uh, target set out there for them. And I'm sure this greenhouse gas emissions target will be the same as all the targets they've reached in fact.
0: Right. Now, okay. The most important thing in this is then, what is the long-term objectives of this particular signpost programme?
1: So, so, the, the sidewalks program, we, we have a network of 120 farms around the country, out uh, of actually 12 in, in Tipperary. Uh, and uh, it's a neutral program in the sense we have berry farms, beef farms, uh, uh, suckler farms, uh, calf beef farms, sheep farms, tillage farms, pig and poultry farms, uh, organic farms, across all spectrums, where uh, everything coming, up, coming on and coming off these farms has been measured from an economic, uh, social aspect point of view, and also in relation to. Uh, the, the emissions uh, in relation to greenhouse gas emissions and ammonia as well. So uh, there's new technologies then being implemented on these farms, uh, technologies that any farmer can implement on their own farm. And we're able to measure then, uh, we able to measure next spring, uh, what these technologies have done on these post farms for 2022. Uh, so we've a benchmark for 2021, we've been able to measure what happened in 2022, and these farms then have been used as focus farms for other farms to come on to learn about how these farmers are improving the possibility and also reducing the greenhouse
0: gas emissions at the same time. Uh, Then looking at the results, you know, what has been achieved uh, in 2021? What is likely to be achieved in 2022? And uh, what do you hope to achieve uh, at the end of 2023? Uh, That's a three-part question, I know, (laughs) Seamus. Seamus.
1: Yeah, well, I suppose in 2021, I suppose the, the, the achievement there, first of all, on the design force programme, and I was the, the programme was launched in, in May 2021, was to actually do the benchmark of the um, economic and the environmental indicators on these farms. So that's the benchmark to start with. And these technologies have been implemented, and we got close of the technologies in the minute, like the protected area, low emission storage spreading, uh, reducing chemical fertiliser. Um, uh, there would have been a lot of technologies implemented on these farms in, 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 in 2022. Um, and I suppose the bigger I suppose, achievement by the agricultural industry is that for 2022, um, the amount of chemical nitrogen used on farms in Ireland has reduced by 14%. But the target for the industry is reduced by uh, 20% by 2030. And 2018 is the base year in which all these emissions nationally are benchmarked off. So farmers and farmers have reduced their chemical nitrogen in 2018 in the end of 2022 by 16% nationally, which is a huge reduction on, on their uh, chemical nitrogen use. And they've mainly done that, uh, Jim, through uh, lime usage. Um, they've also done it through trying to incorporate clover onto their farms, and they've done it through better use utilization of their organic nitrogen and their stories on the farms as well at the same time. And, and maybe just going back on the lime one, like if we go back to the 1970s and 80s, if any of your listeners are old enough to remember back that far, we were putting out between one and a half and two million tonnes of lime back then. Look, as with lime releases, naturally nitrogen the phosphorus in the ground. Uh, a huge um, economic um, response for farmer, about seven to 10 times what you, what you spend on it you get back in, in, in the form of, of, of fertilizer savings. Um, and uh, we were at the dropping below a million tonnes. We actually dropped as low as about 700,000 tonnes during the early 2000s. Uh, and in 2021, uh, 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 Lime usage went up over 1.3 million tonnes, the highest in 40 years. So farmers are really buying into that message, spreading more lime, and that's having a knock-on effect uh, in reducing our chemical nitrogen uh, at farm
0: level. I might be moving away a bit from the topic that we're on, but have you any idea of why we reduced our uh, usage of lime uh, in the early 2020s? In the early 20s? Yeah,
1: well, actually, so the, 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 the usage I mean. of lime, so, yeah, it, it goes back as far as the, back in the uh, late 1970s and 1980s, uh, there was actually, um, there was a, a bit of a, a subsidy on lime at the time, and for milk, came in in the 1980s, where we were capped on, on on stock numbers, and it was uh, farmers then, to just kind of tail off a bit on lime usage. So we're, we're heading back now again for 2021, and 2022, whether the payments now the back end of the year look like not another good year for spreading
0: lime minerals. Seamus, I have to take a break, but please stay with us, and we will continue this conversation after this ad break. You're welcome back, listeners, after that short break. And as I said before the break, uh, Seamus would be staying with us. Seamus, another thing that uh, has, I suppose, is leading into all the environmental pressures that are on farms at the moment. Now, you have mentioned the nitrates, you've mentioned low uh, emission slurry spreading, uh, which we're all very aware of. But we do have a problem with the national herd, don't we? Yeah, well, I
1: suppose the national herd. Um It is roughly around the same size as it was back in the uh, early 1990s, uh, slightly bigger than what it was back in the 1970s. Uh, But our national herd, yes, our our dairy herd has increased, but our actual uh, suppler herd and the older cattle in our national herd, the numbers have decreased uh, in the same time. So if we look at 2018 and and compare 2022, the June figures they were released lately by the CSO, uh, our stock numbers were pretty much identical in June 2022 as they were in 2018. Yeah, our, our dairy herd had increased by about 10% during that time, but our suckler herd had reduced by about 13%. So what the dairy cow numbers have increased, the suckler numbers have pretty much dropped. And in the last decade, uh, farmers are killing their cattle are starting their cattle about 45 days earlier, so there's less cattle and lower age in the herd as well. So over that time period from 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, we have very much a stable herd in the country now at the minute, Jim. And definitely our dairy herd has increased, but our softer herd and our older cattle numbers, they have dropped in the intervening time.
0: You've mentioned that we have, re- uh, I suppose, reduced our greenhouse gases by 14 to 16%. Uh, we're looking at getting to 25%. So the challenge now facing uh, the signpost programme and indeed agriculture across the country will be to close that gap. From your experience with the programme and talking to all the people uh, that are part of the programme, do you think that in the next couple of years, not we won't go out to 2027, 20, but in the next couple of years, we will be able to close that gap to around the 20%? Yeah,
1: uh, a very good question. As you mentioned about reducing greenhouse gas emissions, we actually reduced our, our, our chemical hydrogen by sixteen percent from, from uh, the 2018 figure. Oh, yeah,
0: sorry. Yeah.
1: Uh, our greenhouse gases for 2021 were pretty similar to what they were in 2018. Uh, but with the reduced chemical energy use this year uh, a high of the productivity and with the highest and number stabilising we should see a reduction for 2022 come next summer when we actually get the figure. Um, the technologies, we don't have the technologies available to us today uh, to get to 25%, percent we we'll probably get about halfway there with the current technologies. Uh, but we will be dependent on new technologies like feed additives, uh, better um, breeding of animals, uh, lower emitting animals into the future. Uh, compound fertiliser technologies and uh, these type of technologies to come on stream into the future. But I suppose just for your listeners, I suppose looking at what they can do today, uh, simple technology can be taken on any farm is the use of protected urea uh, rather than can-based fertilisers, because protected urea has four times lower emissions than can-based fertilisers. And for some of the heavier stock farmers, Jim, uh, just for moving from one hundred percent can to one hundred percent protected urea, you can reduce your greenhouse gas emissions by about seven to eight percent a Huge reduction in emissions, and it is a technology we were spreading very little protected area back in 2018. Uh, we hit about 15% of our straight nitrogen this year being spread as protected urea, uh, a 60% increase in last year. So, really going in the right direction. And it's one simple technology. Lime is another technology to reduce our chemical uh, usage and low emission slurry spreading to get more recovery of the nitrogen in the slurry. Uh, we've gone from about 4% of our slurry spread with low emissions back in. Uh, 2018, up to about 48% of our slurry in 2021. So they're the type of technologies that have a huge bearing on reducing emissions at farm level.
0: And uh, looking at the low emission slurry spreading then, uh, what does that do for the figures?
1: Yeah, so what, how, how the low emission slurry spreading works, especially for the greenhouse gas emissions, if you, if you spread slurry in, in, in the summertime with a splash plate, you're recovering about three units of, of slurry per thousand gallons, where if you use a low emission slurry spreading in the springtime, you're recovering about nine units per thousand gallons. So you're, you are tripling recovery of the nitrogen in the slurry. That feeds through then that we use less chemical nitrogen because we're, we're, we're recovering more nitrogen in the slurry, and that feeds through the national eventually figure as less chemical nitrogen used at farm level. Uh, it also has another huge knock-on effect um, because people will, will, will see that in relation to the smell and out with the low emissions versus the splash plate. Uh, it reduces ammonia substantially, and that is another huge bearing on reducing our ammonia emissions at a national level. Again, uh, we have a, a, a figure that we need to reduce our ammonia emissions, so really reduce the ammonia emissions and recover more nitrogen to reduce something our gas emissions.
0: Right, and uh, let me get back to the nitrogen because this is something that uh, I suppose all farmers uh, depend upon uh, to uh, produce grass. Okay your uh, your what you are saying is that we now have uh, i could gone to 14% less spread in tw- uh, up to 16% spread in 2022 how much of that is due to the price
1: yeah a, a, a very good question look, I suppose with, with the price of, of fertilizer this year get as mid farmers uh, look at the rate the fertilizer was put out and I suppose the big change there uh, last spring and uh, the spring before is farmers valuing their story and trying to recover as much as possible and cutting back maybe the first round of application uh, is also had an effect of maybe cutting back slightly maybe 10% during the main grazing season and again maybe cutting back a little bit on, on the last round at the very back end of, of the, the grazing season as well. So definitely prices has a huge effect on it as well um, and especially for uh, dry stock farmers they have to cut back probably more than than dairy farmers would uh, because it has become a very expensive input relative to the the value of the output, especially on beef farms for 2022. So it definitely has a huge bearing on on, on the the usage as well.
0: And what about weather? What effect has that had on it? We've had an exceptionally dry summer. We've had uh, I I suppose a fairly normal autumn, but uh, late autumn now we've had an awful lot of rain. But as I see it driving around the country, Seamus, there are an awful lot of dairy cows still out grazing grass.
1: Yeah, uh, very good point. And I course, we, we had a, a drought during the year this mm. year, and um, I suppose very much during the drought. Uh, I suppose when, when, when we have a drought, the biggest limiting factor isn't fertiliser. It's, it's, it's moisture at that stage. So farmers are very conscious of that uh, this year in 2022. But when the drought did come, they did cut back on fertiliser applications at that time. Which is the right thing to do. So, that definitely had a knock on effect of helping to reduce uh, the overall amount of chemical nitrogen spread between
0: 32. Rightio. Now, I suppose, the future. Are there new technologies out there now that are in their infancy that are going to help us to uh, resolve these issues? Yeah, a
1: uh, very good question. Look at some of our colleagues in Charlotte are so researching some of the technologies, like for the feed elements, the, the animal breeding and genetics, and um, uh, slurry additives is another technology. Um, it's the technology in relation to the, the, the chemical compounds that's their cut sword and pasture sword versus 86 10, 10, 20. Uh, there's a difference in emissions and those type of products as well. But what, what I'd say to your, your farmer listeners, Jim, first of all, is I would work on the current technology we have today. So it's switching from can to collected urea. And for every five ton of can, you switch to collected urea, there's a thousand euro savings for the farmer at current prices. It's building the peas and K's to help reduce the chemical nitrogen. It's, it's using the low emission story spreading. It's uh, having an animal health plan on the farm. Uh, it, and it's trying to maybe reduce the amount of replacement rates from mature then as well to help cut back to overall stock numbers coming through in the system. So what I would say to farmers is to implement the technology we have today. Uh, we need as many farmers as we can implementing the current technologies today as we possibly can in order to get us where we need to get to 2025, first of all, where then we get time for the new technologies coming on stream that can get us to 2030.
0: And one last question to you. What would you say to my non-farming listeners who are, you know, tuned in to all the things that are happening environmentally at the moment?
1: Yeah, well, I, I suppose the, the, the first thing I'd say to look, is, is the agricultural sector. There definitely, uh, there is a plan there for the agricultural sector. and um, All the all the elements of the cultural sector be farmers, the industry, the advisory they're all kind of walking off the, the, the one hint sheet to try and get agricultural emissions uh, reduced and I think we will really see the, 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 the positive uh, impact of that when we get the, the emission figures of 2022 probably in around July 2023 uh, where all the good actions of reducing chemical nitrogen, uh, changing how fertilizer spread, uh, their slurry the use of lime uh, kind of um, uh, t- tidying up the, the numbers and the herbs, that will all really start to come through uh, in a positive way to help agriculture uh, to reduce its overall greenhouse gas emissions. So what I say to your listeners is definitely farmers are on a journey, going to take time to get there, be definitely is a plan uh, to get farmers uh, to help them to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions.
0: Okay, well look at Seamus, I want to thank you ever so much for joining me this morning. That listeners was Seamus Carney from Chagas. Listeners, my next guest this morning is Sean Ryan, and uh, Sean is new to the job that he has now for the IFA. He is the National Potato Committee Chairperson with the IFA, and of course, we all know how important potatoes are to us here in Ireland. Uh, Dinner isn't a dinner uh, without a spud, and uh, it is very important to us. Good morning, Sean, and thanks very much for joining us. Good morning, Jim. Now it's good to have you on. Sean, Thank tell me mentioned. a little bit about yourself as you're new to the job and probably new to radio as well. Uh
2: yeah. Uh, I I took over from Thomas McJohn in February there. So uh, um as national chair for the today committee.
0: Yeah, now you've told me before we went on air that you grow potatoes yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah, we grow we grow here as well. And uh yeah, we have a farm shop in the yard so we sell from that and we fly to shops and, and and
0: that as well, right? Okay, and people always say that potatoes—they're tough work. There's a lot of work with them, and uh, there definitely is. As a, a former potato grower myself, there is a lot of heavy work with them. How was the crop then in 2022? Um, the
2: crop would be back. The yields would be back uh, mm-hmm. and other years because of of we had a drought during the summer there. Uh, some areas fare, fared out better than others. Um, but it would be we, we haven't all the figures on it yet. But uh, tonnage uh, board B digs are are, are are saying that uh, crops are back. Um, so with it, it, you know, with the drought, like anyone that wasn't irrigating, um, the, the, the drought definitely affected them. Uh, uh, getting them into size, the numbers were there, but getting them into size was was a bit of an issue to, at the end there. But there, the um, there is there is there is definitely, going to, there is definitely less than, than other year's around.
0: Right, okay. And did some varieties perform better than others?
2: Well, uh, the rooster, I suppose, would be performing better. Like, you know, mainly kerfinks and, and queens and rooster. Uh, the rooster would have a, a, a longer growing season, so mm-hmm. would it prepare, uh, perform better as regards character wise And they always they're bigger funds on the roosters anyway than, than any, any of the rest of the crops.
0: Yeah, because it would be an interesting year to do... Uh, a little bit of research on because to know which of the varieties and well, the main varieties that we grow for the for the home market which performs the better uh in a dry year rather than uh, a normal year where rainfall would be normal and of course you said you're down in wexford sean and you don't get as much rain in wexford as you we do here in Tipperary. no no we wouldn't
2: um yeah we're, we're uh, down along this side of the country, but it is definitely drier. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, up the Midlands and up and up, up along uh, the rest of the country, up to Donegal, uh, got a lot more rain, so crops are better, mm-hmm. um, a, a little bit better than than where they than further down here. Um, so it all depends. Some growers are, 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 you know, well set up with irrigators mm-hmm. and that now as well. So it all depends on, on every grower is, is different. You know, different circumstances.
0: Right, and you mentioned irrigation and that's very important and I suppose it's far more important up along that east coast uh, where the weather is drier anyway and I know that 10 years ago people were irrigating along the uh, east coast they were irrigating potato crops so you'll have to do that in Wexford as well. Oh,
2: You you do, yeah. 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 Uh, This year was probably a funny year as regards, uh, right, during the the summer we had a dry summer but then uh, in the last uh, six, eight weeks. Uh, We've probably got more rain than than, than any other part mm-hmm. of the to country. Cork and all along that up into Wexford here got got a, got more rain than said and and um, Neat, Loud, mm-hmm. and even up into Donegal, which Donegal would would get a lot more rain than 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 most of it. Like, but it's it's been a funny year that way.
0: Of course, it has. Now, uh, okay, coming to the end of November, I presume all the places are out of the ground
2: by now. Uh, no, not necessarily. There's oh. probably ten percent left in in say, even Wexford up along into the Midlands. It's probably ten percent. Uh, Cork is probably Cork got a lot more in than than than, than anyone, as I said. Uh, and yeah. uh, there could be between twenty and thirty percent left in Cork uh, in, in areas in Cork like so. Um, you know, just that the weather was so bad, um, just they just couldn't get them out in fields. Uh, but the hollows and that kind of flooded. So right. Um, just, there's still still something to be got
0: out, right, and of course they're now at risk if we started to get heavy frost,
2: yeah, uh, especially this year the the mm-hmm. rain has the rain. you know washed the, mm-hmm. the, soil, the has washed the soil off the top of the drills, and mm-hmm. and you know it leaving the crop very open um so you'd be hoping that for growers that they won't you know that we won't get heavy frost for a while anyway and, and give them a chance to get them out
0: right because and of course, if the drill is exceptionally wet, uh, you know frost seems to go in deeper in wet, very wet soil, so they are at risk. So, the, Yeah, that, yeah,
2: it follows it down,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, all this now that we're talking about, lower yields, some potatoes not out of the ground at the moment, they must be playing into the actual price that you at the farm gate are getting. Uh Yeah,
2: the, we have Jim Power at the, at the conference uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday there, and had the figures on it and they've only like the price increase has only gone up 3% uh, which is you know it's not enough to, no. to justify all our and especially the the biggest issue we're facing into now is uh, storage costs um, our electricity bills are going to be uh, they're going to be big electricity bills in the next you know people are, will be getting like every other commodity mm-hmm. in every other in every household electricity bills are, are going to be a big issue going forward
0: yeah and uh, uh, so, yeah you yeah. had yeah,
2: input costs in as well. You had uh, diesel, and you know everything. Yeah. Everton transport, and all the, all the extra costs. Um, uh, you know, there the, the is uh, the, the, the big bills there this year from even harvesting, and, and you know, when you're harvesting wet conditions, then it, it takes a lot more. Um, it's a slower job, and a lot, it takes a lot more time to get them out. So that's that's more expensive.
0: Right, and of course the 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 consumer doesn't realise. Uh, You know, realises some of the costs, but doesn't realise hard to try to convince a consumer that uh, you're storing potatoes at a certain temperature to make certain sure that they are at their very best for the consumer. Uh, they don't realise that, and of course, uh, it's all got to do with refrigeration. So that does drive up your costs. But uh, yeah, definitely.
2: definitely like you, uh, mm-hmm. as you said, they have to be held at three degrees to keep mm-hmm. them, stopping from budding and just have them perfect for the for the shelf. Yeah. Like uh, say a thousand ton store, mm-hmm. you're talking about an eighty by a hundred feet uh, uh, shed to mm-hmm. keep keep at three degrees. Like, and that, you know, it takes uh, the vans and everything are running. Just nearly all the time to try and keep that down to the three degrees to keep them right. So uh, the, the you know the costs are the co- the electricity costs have doubled. You know the yeah. few, there's there's growers out there with 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 um, they are on forty eight cent a unit mm-hmm. uh, to and you know so the costs of, of that are, are are going to be going to be big now going forward.
0: Of course, yeah. Was that the biggest uh, uh, shall we say issue at the potato conference last Tuesday?
2: Yeah, well, are sure, there's, 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 there's that and there's um, you know yeah everything like even paper bags, the the, the packaging mm-hmm. uh, you have all you know diesel uh, transport um, uh, you have all them costs that have gone up so you know there, there's a range of, of different different um, issues there um, yeah that the, with Jim Jim Power uh, he he was he done all the talk on mm-hmm. input costs and food inflation and 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 all that there so
0: would you be worried Sean then that with the rising costs, you know the the extra work and everything else, that when it comes to planting in 2023, and costs will not have gone down, you can be sure. And if they do go down, it'll be minimal. Uh, that some people will go out of growing potatoes and consider growing something else that's a little bit easier. Yes, uh, it
2: it is a possibility. Um, you know, there, mm-hmm. there is growth there, and. That's you know the are 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 not they're not sure yet what way mm-hmm. they're they're going to plant next year it's a little bit early still but it 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 yeah, you could have people getting out um because of of input costs and you know other commodities are doing doing okay and maybe you know they could just, uh, decide to to give up going and and go into the different commodities. You know, everyone is everyone is in different. Everyone has different markets, and everyone has different, you know, different on different stages or whatever. You know, you have age profile and there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of different different things there.
0: And and then you have some uh, smaller growers, not like the big growers. Uh, you have some smaller growers will say to themselves, uh, you know, I wonder is it worth my while because they won't have all uh, the, the the modern facility in to store potatoes.
2: Yeah, well, that's, that's the other side of it. Um, you know, if you, if you don't have storage for them, um, you know, and if you don't get to sell them, then they're just, you know, they're, they're going to end up cattle feed. So, you, can, um, the, you know, the the spec for potatoes in the supermarkets now is it's, it's, it's barely gone too high. You know, there, there's right. a lot of uh, waste gone being, being being fed to cattle because and um, it might be just a little mark on a potato, but it's just, you know, like there could be tears up of, of between 25 uh, mm-hmm. from 15 to twenty five percent on a ton. Uh which you know, it, which is, you know, nearly a quarter of your ton of your crop gone uh in tear alone. Uh so you know they, they have to be to have to be looked after and have, especially with the way costs are gone, if you don't look after you 'em, you're you're on you're on a loser straight away like.
0: Okay, well look at we're out of time, Sean. I want to thank you ever so much for joining us this morning. That listeners was Sean Ryan, the Nas- the IFA national a uh, potato chairperson. It's fine here we go. Listeners, my final guest this morning is Brendan Golden and Brendan is the National Livestock Committee chair with the IFA and there was a very special meeting on Wednesday last and uh, Brendan was one of the people at it and with, with very some high powered speakers our own Tim Colnan was pl- was speaking and so was Aidan Murray, Chagasby Specialist Joe Burke from Board Bia and Paul Nolan from Dawn Meats Uh, Good morning uh, Brendan and thanks for joining us
3: Good morning to you and good morning to your listeners.
0: Now Brendan uh, we here in Tipperary want to know all that happened at that meeting we're not talking to the National President we're going to talk to yourself
3: That's okay Well look as we had with Grace we had a a big crowd. We were expecting it because there's been a lot of concern and I've had a lot of phone calls over the last number of weeks about where everything is going because primarily our biggest problem this year is the huge um, increase in the cost of production and the increase in our input costs, whether it's fertiliser or at the moment, it's really been crystallised for winter finishers, the actual cost of feeding and finishing an animal. With uh, feed costs now running between four twenty and four forty a ton, um, it's it's coming into n- five euro a day really, um, to feed a, an animal in the finishing system without even taking labour or indeed fuel or anything else into account just on feed alone.
0: Yeah, so that's uh, so that's a bit uh, that's a big problem, uh, you know, I, I, and was. Whilst- The main issue now at the meeting, Brendan, was it around the price of, uh, you know, inputs?
3: The the price was, no, we started out the meeting because we knew it was very important to get the picture of everything that was going going on out there. And the Mm -hmm. president opened up and he, he outlined some of the concerns from farmers' point of view and our point of view. And then we had Aidan Murray then went down through the costs that Chagas could have calculated. And like it really crystallised it because at the moment, Chagas figures are saying that we need 5.85 plus to just break even. So you would need to be coming over 6 euro a kilo um, to have any chance of turning Anthony at all. And more worryingly, he reckons going into back end of 2023 and into the spring of 2024 that we could be looking at 624 just to break even at that stage so it's been really concerning and then after that then um, Joe Burke went through the market projections and all of that side of it and there is some positives in it and then there'd be there is some you know worrying things in it just from customer insights and all of that now production across the EU is projected to be down and indeed across the EU all EU farmers are in the same position as we are that their input costs are crucifying them and to be fair we probably have the advantage in that we have got you know a good bit out for grass for the summer and it's only from now on we're really impacted by the high feed costs. but European farmers don't have the grass that we have in a lot of cases and they're bearing those higher costs all year so I would think that the, the I know the EU figures are saying that production across the EU would be down 1.2% 1. 1. maybe, and they say that, you know, demand and consumption might be down similar. Um, On the import side, we're not seeing a huge amount of imports coming in to the EU at the moment, and the price of beef in in both the US and Australia and indeed in the in the higher-value South American countries of Uruguay and Argentina, the price is actually just as high as us and maybe a bit higher in cases, and it's only really Brazil that's down at the bottom. So the fact that that's the case, we're, we haven't huge worries about imports coming in, eroding the value of what we sell, but we are worried about what the consumer will be able to pay because we're hearing news about you know, recessions and the EU going into recession, and consumers being under more pressure and indeed we know that ourselves too because we have our own houses to run and we are feeling them costs on our side as well but Joe gave a very good outline of that and all the work Board B are doing to promote um, our beef at the moment and without them we'd be really lost because I know talking to my European counterparts they are quite envious of the fact we have a Board B to promote our products for them, they, they lament the fact that they don't then it moved into Paul Nolan gave a perspective from the from the factory's point of view, and he did lament the fact that they were under pressure for for a while there in October with demand back in that. But for me, it didn't quite explain the huge gap that opened up um, in the month of October, because at the end of August we would have to be fair to them. Through the summer, we were actually running ahead of Europe and the UK on price for a number of months, and at the Beginning of September, we were still pretty well aligned with the, e, the EU and the UK. But then, once we came into October, the EU price and the UK price started to go up, and we started to come down, and a gap opened up on the, the Borbia benchmark price tracker of 50 cents a kilo. And I know um, Ty Buckley, our chief economist, would have calculated on prime cattle alone that was the cost of six million a week to be farmers. And at a time when our backs are to the wall, we would feel that they needed to be supporting us stronger. And that message was very, very clearly delivered on the night. There was a good bit of anger around. Now, I do think, you know, a lot of farmers after Aidan presented the, the costs and that, and Joe outlined what was out there in the market, we do know that realistically, we we we'd be very worried we don't think that the market will be able to deliver the full returns and that's why i would have in my address at the finish i would have highlighted the fact that you know we need support from our minister and our government in here we identified this problem back at the start of the year because the costs went as high as they did that it was going to crystallize at the back end of the year and we are always concerned our supply um, is very level over the year now and our markets are based on that and we had concerns about that that supply and our markets being continue to continue at that at that pace because um, you, you, you're you so dependent on these markets you need the supply consistent supply goal but we felt that that's why we would have looked for with the 100 euro cattle and finishing payments because we knew that they the costs were going to go above maybe what was available out there in the market, and we needed support to get us through it. So, that was the main points of it. Um, you know, a lot of concern, then as well, around what's going on, around. I'm involved with in the beef and sheep, and um, food vision group yeah. at the moment, and we're trying to draw conclusions in that. Um, we have lists of measures of in there that they're looking for us to sign off on we are concerned we know we have climate targets to meet and we know that agriculture has to take its part but um we feel that the minister is sitting back there and he's not addressing this because there's cost in it for us and we need the minister and the department to lead the way if people need to take on measures and we need we are quite clearly saying we want to build an industry that is both sustainable and resilient from an income perspective going forward. We need them to lead, lead and direct on that. It's going to take financial supports and incentives to deliver on that space. So there's a huge amount going on at the moment. Um, Policy wise, farmers are very, very worried. Um, again, like I, from what I hear around the country, there's not as many cattle being fed and we wonder when we get after Christmas, cattle numbers are going to be are going to be tighter, and we don't want to see a huge number of them pushed out into the early summer and have a glut of cattle coming at that stage either. So won't do us any favour. So there's there's huge concerns in the dog.
0: Yeah, you're not painting a very uh, uh, positive picture, uh, particularly for. Uh, 2023, because uh, you know, and you apart from maybe a, a little bit of encouragement from Joe Burke, it doesn't seem that uh, uh, you know, Aidan Murray was telling you how much it's going to everything is going to cost, and Paul Nolan didn't seem to uh, give any indication that the factories are going to pay more.
3: Well, he, he indicated that he expects the market to return more in the spring when numbers tightens up. Now, one positive is that I see the demand being there all right. The market, the demand will be there. People need food and through the COVID pandemic, you know, they responded, they they went into the supermarket, they bought beef, they bought agricultural produce, and they cooked it at home. And it proved, you know, that people value food. But we, we have a slight problem you see in that you know we've we've become be a little bit we take food for granted a little bit that it's going to be there at a cheap price and we have huge availability across the EU to this cheap food supply and you know retailers have really made hay in that space as well they've used food to you know hold on to market share and this huge competition between retailers all the time and they're they're trying to worries me when you hear certain retailers in the last number of weeks so we think we can have a, a, a meal available for five euro. Like they, it, it's really, really undervaluing food. And you know, there's there's a saying out there, no farmers, no food, but but you know, we're we're at a point now where where, you know, people are going to have to get it into their heads that they might have to return a bit more. Now I know it's not fair. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. And it's not their fault that the war started in Ukraine or that uh, the cost of everything skyrocketed. But, you know, we need, there has to be a, a value and a cost attached to production of food that sort of, you know, returns a, a, a value to the, the farmer or he just can't keep going. And that's why, you know, CAP was conceived on day one. They expected the, the, um, the price of food to go down, and the cap payments came in to to support the farmer to deliver that food. The problem is now those cap payments have been eroded by policy decisions and also eroded by inflation. And at the moment, I would say blown out of the water by the inflationary input costs. So it's leaving farmers very exposed.
0: Right. Okay. Well, look at Brendan. We're going to have to leave it there. I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. That listener was Brendan Golden, who is the National Livestock Committee Chair with the IFA. Before I sign off this morning, just to uh, remind you of two dates that are going to be very important. The South Tipperary IFA Executive AGM takes place on Monday, the 12th of uh, December in the Manila Hotel in Clonmel. And in North Tipperary, their AGM takes place on Wednesday the 14th of December in the Abbey Court Hotel in Nina. That, listeners, is Ag Report for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me, Jim Finn, at the same time next week for another Ag Report on Tip FM. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock and after that, Amon DeWire presents Down Your Way.